It is a kind of surprise uh, for some of you to see me up here today because you weren't expecting me, but it was a surprise to me as well. And as uh, the week came on, we thought, okay, is she getting better? Is she getting better? Well, we'll give her a few more days. And, And then Friday morning, we realized that the laryngitis was not getting better. She was coughing. Her kids were sick. And I just had a feeling on Tuesday, when we first heard about it, that I needed to step up and share something with you. I knew eventually I would share it with you, but I didn't know it was going to be the Sabbath. The Lord has been putting some things on my heart. He's been working on me in some areas, and I really appreciate some of the books that my friends have have helped me with. Uh, Leo gave me this book, uh, Give Us This Daily Bread. It's good news. It's by A.T. Jones and E.J. Wagner powerful book. Of course, the pastor, we've been working through this about the revival of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. This has had a big influence on my life. And then uh, Ray uh, uh, gave me this, this book, Spirit, Baptism, and Christ's Glorious Return. Yes, I promise I'll get it back. I, bor- I borrowed it, actually, by Dennis Smith. Uh, I'm still uh, studying this book. It is just impacted me with the knowledge that Jesus has an amazing love for us. It's it's an amazing grace that he has for us, that he doesn't want us to keep struggling, you know, with, with these old habits and things. He wants to give us deliverance. And so it's just a powerful message that started maybe back in 1888, but I think now is the time for it to be revisited. Time for us to really just receive Jesus in all that he has to give us. Shall we pray? Dear Father in heaven, as we contemplate the precious promises in the word of God, as we contemplate Jesus and what he has done for us and his amazing grace that he has for us, Lord, we ask that we don't just know about it, we don't just study it, but that we may experience it this morning, right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to open with me, we'll be in some scripture today. I'd like to start in... The book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and uh, at at a camp meeting, Jose Rojas just gave some powerful sermons. Did you enjoy Jose? If those had a chance to see him online. And uh, he said he always would kind of maybe tell a story or just kind of delay a little bit when he gave the text just to give time for everyone to find the text because it's something about seeing the Word of God as well as hearing it that makes it become real to us. So let's make it real to us, okay? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We all know this verse probably for many years. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let's say that together, shall we? It's on the screen. Therefore, 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This text has given me so much hope over the years when I looked at my life and my old habits, my selfishness, the problems that I've had to know that I can become a new creation. But I'm wondering this morning, what does it mean to you to be a new creation? What does that mean? Do we have a new body? Do we have new arms, new legs? No, it's, it's the same body, isn't it? So what does a, a new creation mean? What does it mean to have old things pass away? And so I'm thinking, okay, the Bible says that we must have the mind of Christ. May this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So the new creation is a creation of what? The mind. This is what God wants to create anew in us. We still have the same old body, which means we still have the same weaknesses. Those haven't gone away. We still have the old inherited things that have come down through generations. That temper that my grandfather had. I could tell you stories about my grandfather that would curl your hair. I cannot believe the temper that he had. Should I tell the story? My wife says no. Okay. <clears throat> it's, it, it's like, I don't think he'll go to heaven. I mean, it is it so bad. <clears throat> but he, as he got older, he sweetened up and he gave his life to the Lord. I, I think he'll be there, but... I mean, he had a temper. And so these things are passed down. These things are passed down. And so we still have this body, but we, the new creation is not our body. It's the mind of Christ. Now keep that in mind. <clears throat> old things, what are, th what are the old things that are passed away? The old habits, the old things in the mind, those old things we used to think about, those old lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the old things that God says they can pass away and behold all things they can become what? New. New where? In Jesus Christ. Now, the verse is powerful, but there is more. In verse 18, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. This is a whole new sermon right there. But we're going to move on. We'll come back to it a little bit. Verse 19, That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Not, in other words, not making them guilt, uh, sending them to hell. No, it's he has not given those trespasses to them. He's taken upon himself and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are what? Ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Last Sabbath was an awesome Sabbath to see Marissa have be baptized, to have hands laid on her, asking the Holy Spirit to baptize her, to hear the music. It was the most wonderful Sabbath in a long time. I just loved it. 
and I know she was sharing with her family what God has done for her. That is the ministry of reconciliation. That is the ministry of reconciling people, our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones, to God and telling them how much God has done for us, how much he means to us. We want to share that, and this is what Marissa wants to do, to share that. And when we were baptized and we had that that fresh new feeling, that freshness of being washed of our sins away, being cleansed, being filled, that spirit... That is something that we just want to keep on having. And that is how we share is through the excitement of of being in in Christ. And then in verse 21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow. Just take a moment and just let that soak in a little bit. Because if you realize what the Word of God is saying, it's really, really awesome. This is amazing, amazing grace. For Christ, the Creator that created the the worlds, He created everything, He became sin for us, is amazing. He took all our sins. And only the Creator could take away our sins and die for them. And why did He do it? So that we can become the righteousness of God in Him. So at baptism, we accept Jesus Christ to be Lord of our life. He takes away our sins, but it doesn't stop there, does it? It goes on to say that we can receive his righteousness. Whoa, that is, that's huge. That is huge. Because all of us here realize that, yes, you know, we love Jesus. We want him to be Lord of our lives. But I still fall. I still make mistakes. How can this be real? And so sometimes we we get discouraged it reminds me of, of uh, three ministers, three pastors. They were good friends. <clears throat> it's just a story, <clears throat> but it gives a good point. <clears throat> they, uh, they loved to go fishing. <clears throat> and so they, they went fishing, and, and they're out on the lake. It was a nice, beautiful day, and they were just thinking about things, and they thought, you know, maybe we should, could share something that we're struggling with in our life and so that we could pray for one another, encourage one another. <clears throat> and so they all thought, yeah, that's a good idea. And so the first one said, well, uh, nobody knows this, but <clears throat> I have a gambling problem. <clears throat> and at night, I'll, I'll sneak out sometimes and go gambling. And they go, oh, wow, that's horrible. Well, definitely need to pray for you. And the second one said, well, you know, I, I cheat on my taxes. I don't really you know, tell the government how much money I actually make, and so I've I've been cheating. And so the other pastor said, yeah, we'll we'll pray for you. And then it became really quiet, and the third pastor didn't say anything at all. And they're wondering, well, do you want to share anything? And he goes, well, I have a problem with gossiping, and I can't wait to get off this boat and get on the phone. (laughs) So... Even pastors, you know, struggle sometimes with problems. And it's true. 
uh, when the message came out in 1888 through the, the message of Jones and Wagner, they were talking about this very subject of receiving the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And it was, it was hard to, to, to receive by a lot of the, the brethren, a lot of the pastors, because it's like, you know, we're not perfect. And it's almost like I would be hypocritical to, to go to my congregation and say, you can be perfect. And yet themselves, like, wow, I just, I just lost my temper last week with my wife. Or I just, you know, did this. Or I, I was on the highway and... Man, someone cut me off, and I got angry, and I have resentment. And it's like the pastor was saying, you know, I just don't know if we can take this. And so it became a really big issue. However, this message is what brings about the latter rain. And this message back in 1888, that's 130 years ago. And we're still struggling with this, thinking, you know, I don't know. Uh, yes, I believe we can be perfect, but it must be in the sweet by and by. It must be at the time of the resurrection. It must be in the time when the thousand years we, we're in, in heaven and we, we grow up in Christ. That must be it, because I've been a Christian all my life, and I'm not perfect. And so we get discouraged. You know, one of the things that Satan loves to do is to to make us discouraged. If you'd like to turn back to the Old Testament, there's a story about what happens when we can get discouraged, we can make some big mistakes. In the book of Numbers, chapter 21, it tells a story about the leadership, the people of Israel, they were out in the desert. There was over a million of them. They had just left Egypt. They were on their way to the promised land, the land of milk and honey, but they found themselves in a desert where there is no water, there is no food, no shelter. And aren't these the three basic things that humans need? Food, water, shelter, it's really a big deal. And here they were, out in the desert. And so, in verse 4, I'll start, chapter 21, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. Now, Edom was the land of Esau and his descendants. And their cousins did not want them passing through their land. So they had to go around their land on the way to Canaan, And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. In verse 5, And the people spoke against God and against Moses, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. (laughs) What bread were they talking about? They're talking about the manna from heaven. They loathed it. They were tired of it. In verse 6, The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. And therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. 
Pray to the Lord and take away those serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. Next verse. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. When I first read this story, I thought, why would they look at a serpent? I mean, isn't that like a symbol of Satan? And why would they hold that up and, and they would be healed by looking at a, a serpent? Isn't a serpent what bit them? And isn't that a sign of sin? And it's just like, I just didn't get it. But then later on, I realized Christ became sin for us that we might have the righteousness of God. Jesus became sin for us. Our sins, those things that we struggle, those things that we fight, those things that are biting us and causing us to die, those things that cause us to bite other people, these sins, he took took those upon himself and died on the cross. And Jesus said, as I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. All our sins are like filthy rags, and they're on Jesus on the cross. Let's just take a moment and look at the cross in Matthew 27. Matthew 27. You know, Roger Morneau, before he opens his prayer book of his journal for prayers, he reads a few verses out of Matthew 27. He wrote the book, Incredible Answers to Prayer. And he really has some incredible answers to prayer, amazing answers to prayer. And I believe he found something here that's a good practice for us is to behold the cross, behold Jesus on the cross that helps our minds appreciate what he has done for us. So in Matthew 27, verse 33, it says, And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, They gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. And then they crucified him. That means they took his hands and they nailed it to a cross. They took his feet and nailed it to the cross. And divided his garments. That means they took off his clothes. How humiliating to be on a cross nailed like the worst possible sinner and casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him, basically waiting for him to die, 
kept watch that his disciples would not take him down, letting him suffer and die. And they put up over his head the accusation written against him, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. I'm not sure what it does to you, but when I read these verses and I I think about what he has done for me, that is amazing grace because he has my sins on him and he is offering me, he's offering you the righteousness of God. It is a gift. Let's look at what um, Paul says to the Romans in chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And I'm going to read verse 10. Then we'll skip down to verse 17. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We are saved by the life of Jesus. In verse 17, For if by the one man's offense death reigned, this is talking about Adam, Adam and Eve sinned, because they sinned, we inherited that sinful nature Adam was the prince of this world. This world was, was created, and Adam and Eve were, were the prince and the princess of this world. But when they sinned, Satan took that title, and we received the sinful tendencies that we have today. So if by one man's offense, that's Adam, death reigned over th- through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. So whatever sinful nature that we have, there is much more grace available to take take that sin away. There is much more grace. And so in reading this, it says those who receive what? The abundance of grace. The abundance. There is plenty of grace. No matter what you're struggling with today, there is an abundance of grace. And of the gift of righteousness. You know, one of my favorite holidays when I was growing up, of course, was what? Christmas. We received gifts, and gifts that we would be waiting for sometimes a whole year. And imagine giving your child a gift wrapped up with a beautiful bow on it, and you know there's something in there really, really expensive or really special or, or maybe just something that was made just really precious. And what if we gave it to our child and they put it up maybe on, on the counter or maybe up in their room, and they never opened it. Never opened it. Jesus has a gift of righteousness for us that we have to choose to open. We have to choose 
to open. And when we're baptized, we say, yes, I want the Lord to be Lord of my life. I choose him to be my Savior. And then we tend to, okay, I've done it. I'm good now. And we forget that this is this decision that we have to continually make to make him Lord of our life, to take that gift each and every day. And we have to let Jesus reign in our minds to be that new creature that we're, that we're studying about, living in Jesus. In Ephesians, we read about this again in a little different way. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 8, I think most of you have heard this verse before. It says, For by grace you have been saved through what? Through faith. And not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. The next verse, verse 9, Not of works, lest anyone should boast. We can do a lot of good things. We can, of course, go to church. We can fellowship, pay tithe. We can help others. Uh, A lot of good things. But these are the fruits of this faith. We'd never do these things in order to be saved. And it it can be a really a a misconception. Uh, In the book Steps to Christ, it it talks about about this. There's two errors that Christians can make. She says there are two errors against which the children of God particularly those who have just come to trust in his grace that need to guard, first already dwelt upon is that of looking on their own works, trusting to anything they can do to bring themselves into harmony with God. In other words, it's a mistake to try to do things to be in harmony with God. He already loves you. He's already died for your sins. He who is trying to become holy by his own works in keeping the law is attempting an impossibility. All that man can do without Christ is polluted with selfishness and sin. It is the grace of Christ alone through faith that can make us holy. Now the opposite is no less dangerous error, and that is that the belief that Christ releases men from keeping the law of God that since by faith alone we become partakers of the grace of Christ and that our works have nothing to do with our redemption. But notice here that obedience is not a mere outward compliance, but the service of love. <clears throat> you know, if, when we receive Jesus as a personal Savior and we love him, we're not going to want to hurt him, are we? We want to do things that will please him. And that's a very important part as we, as we grow in grace with him. And the, the back of this, this book, <clears throat> Spirit Baptism and Christ's Glorious Return by Dennis Smith, I want to share with you <clears throat> what can happen when we receive Jesus. This is what Dennis Smith writes. Those ready to meet Jesus will minister just like Jesus did when he walked this earth. I'll say it again. Those ready to meet Jesus, that's us, 
ready for the second coming, will minister just like Jesus did when he walked this earth. Gary Williams, in his book, The Healing Power of the Holy Spirit, quotes the Old Testament scripture that Jesus quoted in Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 3, and describes the kind of healing ministry that Jesus said that he was anointed to do. The healing ministry that Jesus did and wants to continue through us today includes these things. Number one, spiritual healing for those who do not have the riches of salvation. The ministry that we have to help those who need spiritual healing. Also, we can experience emotional healing. This is the part of the amazing grace. Many of us have had emotional damage since we were very young. And this is what the, the grace of God can give us, is emotional healing. Also, healing of circumstances of bondage through habits, addictions, generational sins, and memories. You ever had bad memories that just keep plaguing you? We can be healed of that. There can be healing from demonic and evil oppression. Certainly we can see that in the world today. People that have have, uh, killed many people have claimed they've heard voices telling them what to do. They were being possessed uh, or harassed by demons. There can be healing from effects of erroneous religious teaching and expectations. There's a lot of confusion in the churches today. God can heal that and give us a straight truth testimony. There can be healing of hurts, even from within the church. Have you been hurt by somebody in the church? Have you been hurt by somebody in your family? These hurts can be healed. There can be healing of all the effects of sin and spiritual death. We can be revived. There can be healing of insecurities. Do you have the confidence to share? Are you, are you insecure about who you are as a son or daughter in God? He can heal that. And the healing of instability, not being constant, steady, a steady follower of God. This is something I've struggled with. You know, there's high low, high spots and there's lows. You know, I, I pray that God will give us that stability of being steadfast in Jesus. In Jesus dwelled all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and so also today we are to be filled with that same fullness of God. Therefore, as the words and works Jesus spoke and did were the Father, the same is to be true of the followers today. That is why Jesus could say that we would do the same works that he did in the same manner as Jesus began proclaiming the gospel through preaching, teaching, and healing. We are to carry in our our daily life, to carry in our day until Jesus comes. If we have the mind of Christ, if we experience the oneness with Christ, it is Christ who does the works through us. In Christ's day, the power that went through him was from his Father. And so it was his Father working through him. And Jesus did not trust his flesh. 
His mother, Mary, was a good person, but she inherited the sins of her generations before her. And so Jesus did not trust his flesh. He only trusted in connection with his Father in heaven. And as our example, this is what we need to do if we are to really experience the fullness that God has has a mind for us. It's It's not his intention that we should be weak Christians. It's not his intention that we should keep falling and making the same mistakes over and over again. He wants us to have the victory. And so he has given Jesus the power to give us the victory. And so if we live in him, then we can have the victory. Now here's the problem. How do we live in Jesus? How do we have the mind of Christ? And this is the the covenant promise that is given in Ezekiel 36, verse 25. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 through 27. And then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And I will cleanse you. A new heart also I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take away the stony heart and out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Notice it's Jesus who gives us the new heart. It's Jesus who gives us the desire to obey him. It is God who causes us to walk in his statutes. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that we keep his judgments and to do them. Have you been trying to keep the commandments of God on your own strength and notice that it's just not working? Have you noticed that, you know, I'm just not getting that connection that I I once had? I invite you today to do as we've been studying in the personal revival book, to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit each day and every day. Start your morning asking for the Holy Spirit to fill you. Then throughout the day, just keep that prayerful thought to be filled with the Spirit, to give your hearts and your your desires to Him, and He will help you. He will strengthen you, and you will grow day by day to be more like Jesus. A few weeks ago, we went up to see our granddaughter, Everly. She's two years old. And it's so fun to see a little girl grow up from being a little baby infant to a little girl that runs around and starts to talk. Is she perfect? She's a perfect two-year-old. And as we look at each other, are we perfect? You know, we are growing. We're growing. And if we see a brother or sister kind of slip or fall, let's give them some some slack and just say, you know, I'm praying for you. We're all in this together. We're all, we all love Jesus, but we're all human. And so I just appeal that, that we just love one another and encourage one another and know that we're all going, you know, to the same promised land and it's going to be difficult at times. We may think that, oh, there's not enough water, there's not enough food, it's hot, 
I just got bit by a snake. You know, we're all going to go through these times because that's the, the lot that we're in. But Jesus' life is coming soon. He wants the people, and it's been 130 years since that message was given to those, those people back in 1888. All those people are dead and gone. None of them saw the glorious return of Jesus Christ. But today we have a second chance. We have a chance to receive Jesus in his fullness. We can learn from those mistakes. And we can just say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm tired of playing church. I am ready. I'm going to spend that time and have the Holy Spirit come into my life. I'm going to spend that time and pray and ask Jesus to come into our hearts. Is that your will this morning? Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, this is a very powerful message. These promises are so precious. And in Second Peter, verse 1, Peter talks about these precious promises are there that we might experience the divine nature. And so, Lord, we claim these promises by faith. We know through our own works it, it just is not adequate. We keep failing left and right. But now, Father, we're asking again only that we may have the power of Jesus and the mind of Christ and that the good works that we do will be you working through us. It takes a surrender, Lord. We know we have to surrender our pet peeves or, or desires or whatever it may be. <clears throat> we have to surrender these things, Lord. We know but we've read the promise that the Holy Spirit can, can take away the heart of stone. And I pray this morning that <clears throat> there'll be a lot of stones left in the road today and that we'll receive the, the heart of Jesus Christ, the, the feelings, the emotions of Jesus Christ. I pray that we can, can claim these promises every day and, and just grow and just receive his power for healing, whether it may be spiritual, healing, whether it may be emotional, healing, whether it may be physical. And Lord, if you were here today, I know you would cleanse us all of all these, these illnesses. But you have promised to give us your Holy Spirit, and, and today we are claiming that promise. We're claiming the latter rain to begin in our hearts today, this morning. And by faith, we ask that we, we may receive the Holy Spirit in his fullness of his power so that we don't have to waste another 130 years just wandering around, complaining about the food lack of water, lack of shelter, but that your grace will be sufficient for us and you will supply all our needs. We have nothing to worry about. We don't have to be anxious or worry about anything, but take everything in prayer. We claim that, Father, this morning. 
One of the last things that Jesus will do before he, the close of probation is that <clears throat> he will do his very best effort to save our children. There's a quotation that uh, my wife read to me that Carrie shared with me. It's Jesus' desire that to save our children. And some of our kids are, are not here today. Some are out in the world. And so I'm going to pause just for a few seconds for each one to <clears throat> say a, a silent prayer for their kids and their grandkids. Father, you love our kids even more than, than we do. You know where they're at. You know where they are spiritually. And so, Father, we, we put them into your hands right now. Thanking you with all our hearts that you will save. That you will save them. You will do everything possible to save us. And that we'll just have to resist in order to be lost because you're drawing us with cords of love and forgiveness. And so we thank you for that this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.